My brand voice guide is my business's North Star when it comes to keeping all my business content and marketing content clear, consistent, and inviting. That's why I created the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner, which is a free resource to help your business experience the same as mine. So all you have to do is plug in your business details into the given outline that I've created that has all the essential components of a brand voice guide. So you don't even have to pay to get it created like I did. You can plug in your information and you'll be well on your way to having a cohesive voice across all brand assets. And I've even shared my own brand voice guide with you so you can use it as a reference as you craft your own. It's like having a mentor right by your side. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide to grab your copy of the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner. And I can promise you, you're going to elevate your brand instantly. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide. You're listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast, episode number 44. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Well, hello there. Welcome to another edition of the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. I'm thrilled that you're here today, and I'm excited because we have a returning guest. I always love to have returning guests on the show because that means we get to dive even deeper and usually go behind the scenes, and that's exactly what we're going to do today. So my guest today is Mike Stelzner, the founder of Social Media Examiner, the world's largest online social media magazine, and the host of the top-rated podcast, social media marketing. Now, as I mentioned the first time I interviewed Mike, my relationship with Mike started years and years ago. So here's the deal. When I was still working with Tony Robbins, we hired Mike to write a white paper for one of Tony's online campaigns. At the time, Mike was still doing his white paper business and social media examiner did not even exist. And so I was the liaison between Tony's edits and Mike's revisions. Now, Tony always has tons and tons of edits. It doesn't matter how great the paper was that Mike created. That's just Tony's nature. So there were a lot of intense phone calls back and forth with Tony and with Mike. And Mike and I became really good friends in the process. So when I left the Tony Robbins position, Mike was just starting Social Media Examiner. And he brought me on board as a consultant to write some articles and to help build his Facebook page. It hadn't even existed yet. And so we created it, Mike and I together from scratch. And I learned a lot about Facebook and that whole process. So Mike's been a friend and a mentor for many years. Now for today's episode, I really spent some time thinking about the most valuable insight Mike could share with us that would be the most helpful to your business growth. And what I came up with was this. Most of you that are listening are bloggers, or at least you plan to blog in your business at some point. And one area where Mike excels the most is blogging. And if you're anything like me, you appreciate a really good behind the scenes view of how things work. So in this episode, I asked Mike to take me behind the scenes with him and share his blogging process. Now, keep in mind that Mike has a very large company. Wait until you hear about how many people are actually involved with the creation of one single blog post. It's going to blow your mind. 
But most of us don't have big companies and big budgets. And so as you listen to Mike's process, keep an open mind and start to think of ways that you can apply his big strategies on a smaller level to increase your efficiency and just the value overall of your content creation. There are a lot of great things in here that you can take away and apply to your business. Okay, so I won't make you wait any longer. Let's go ahead and jump behind the scenes with Mike Stelsner. Mike, thanks so much for being with me here today. I really appreciate it. Oh, my absolute pleasure, Amy. Well, I'm glad to have you on the show yet again, because this time we're kind of mixing things up and talking all about your highly, wildly successful blog. So before we get into breaking it all down, and I'm excited because we get to go behind the scenes with you. But before we go there, give me some stats. Like, tell me how this blog has you know, grown over the past few years and some just metrics that people can see just how successful it's been. Well, I just, you know, since it's a new year, I started looking back at last year. We had 15 million people visit Social Media Examiner last year, 15 million unique people. Wow. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. And um, so that's, that's a really big metric. Um, we email 325,000 people every single day. And that's also a very significant metric. I mean, I think those are probably the two biggest metrics. We publish one to two articles every day, uh, Monday through Saturday. And um, they're all original and they're all long, rich content, typically, you know, 1,500 words. And um, the content is typically how-to kind of articles. We have a Saturday news wrap-up where we talk about all the important news and research that's going on in the world of social media. On Friday, we publish the podcast, the Social Media Marketing Podcast. So that's just kind of the high level of, of what we do. And it's, uh, we just had our five-year birthday uh, last October. Five years. That is so crazy. Do you remember I what it was like in the beginning? I do. I was going to say, I mentioned in the intro where I really got my start was with you when I left Tony Robbins. So just, I remember sitting at a table talking to you about this idea you had and now it has just been so, so huge from just that time sitting at the table where you're like, I've got this idea, I'm going to run with it and look at it now. Crazy. It's crazy. It just proves what you can do in such a short period of time when you're fully dedicated to it. Absolutely. So, okay. So with that, let's break it down. I first want to talk about content specifically. What is your process for choosing content? Because if you're coming out with a blog post every day, you've got to be churning out really great, you know, different blog posts on a very regular basis. So what's your process there? Well, when you say choosing content, do you mean how do we go about deciding what to publish? Exactly. So um, this is interesting. We don't just kind of um, put our finger into our mouth and hold it up in the sky and see which way the wind is blowing. In reality, what we do is we run very sophisticated surveys. And as of the recording of this call, we are in the middle of, of producing our 2015 survey where we ask a ton of questions of our audience. Things like, which social networks do you plan on investing more time in in 2015? Which ones do you want to learn more about? So we literally get thousands and thousands of people that fill out this survey data. And we use that survey data to decide what our editorial calendar is going to be for the entire year. Now, it doesn't mean we know for the next 12 months precisely what we'll be writing about, but we do know topically, for example, that we're going to keep writing about Facebook because it's really, really important to our audience. So by asking them what they want to know more about, that's the first part of the process. And then as far as people, 
most people that write for Social Media Examiner do it for free because they want to be in front of our audience. So we've got this massive list of people that are very talented that want to write for us. And we reach out to them sometimes when something happens. We've also got a short list of really talented writers that are on our paid staff side. For example, Andrea Vall is one of those people. So whenever Facebook comes out with something kind of crazy, she's the first person that we bring on board to write an article about whatever just happened with Facebook. So the process really starts with research. And then, you know, we go from there. And then the other thing that we do, Amy, is we track every week all sorts of little metrics. So for example, just yesterday, we published something on Google Analytics. And it was uh, something to do with quick tips on, on doing more with Google Analytics. And that article is extremely popular. And that is a sign for us that we should probably consider doing more Google Analytics articles. Now, I will tell you very early in the uh, journey here, we, it was all about page views and the number of social shares. And what we would do is we would look at, okay, what has the most tweets and what has the most page views? And that's what we're going to write more about. Somewhere along the line, about two years ago, we realized, wait a second here. Is it really all about page views? No, because we don't monetize by display advertising. Instead, it's about, for us, growing our email newsletter list. And we're, we're hoping to get to more than 450,000 email subscribers by the end of 2015. So we started tracking conversions. And we started taking a look at which articles bring in the most conversions. And once we began doing that, we began looking at patterns. And we began seeing that, for example, articles on LinkedIn for us tended to bring in the most conversions compared to other articles. So what does that do? It informs us down the road to produce more content on LinkedIn. So Mike, when you say conversions, give me some specifics about that because what are people opting into? Well, when you visit Social Media Examiner, the hope is that somebody will read our great content and want more of it. So when, what we try to do is we try to get people onto our email newsletter list, which is the main list that we've got that has the 325,000 people. So one of the things that we use in as, as an incentive is our industry report. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, we do this big survey each year to help decide what content we want to publish. And then we go ahead and turn that content into a 40 page, like a hundred graphics kind of report about the state of the industry. We give that report away for about 10 days and then we lock it up behind a subscription form. But then we take that report and we use it all over the website. We use it in pop-up boxes. It says, don't miss another article and get our free industry report. We use it on the homepage, sidebars everywhere. Gotcha. Okay. So that makes sense. And I want to go back to this email that you send daily, because I know when some people hear that, they're thinking, holy cow, you're sending an email every single day, which a lot of us that have small businesses, which is who's listening, they usually have small businesses, small budgets, small teams. They're thinking, I could never email every day. So because you're emailing every day, what does that email look like? And do you have some tips that you use or things that you've learned to make sure that people are actually opening the email and clicking on those links? Well, that's a great question. Why do we email every day? Well, let me start there. The reason we email every day is because if you look at the Google Analytics on your website, you will see that the average person on most people's websites visits one point something times and that's it. And what I mean by that is maybe it's 1.2 or 1.6. If you're lucky, it's two times. So what does that mean? That means that most people that come to your blog come and never come back. So you want to do everything in your power to get them to come back. And 
a lot of times when someone comes to great content, they, they might want more of it. So the idea is to get them onto the email newsletter. And the hope and the lure is that uh, with, with our newsletter is that every day we are simply emailing them a little 70-word blurb that includes the day's articles. So for example, on Mondays and Tuesdays, we publish two articles. So there'll be two little blurbs in there that'll have the headline, the 70-word summary of the article, and we literally cut it off with a dot, 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 so that they'll click read more and they'll go right to the blog. So the reason people want to be on the list is because they want to be kept up to date on all the things that we're publishing. The reason we want them on the list is because every day that we have a new article come out, thousands of people on our list are going to read that article. And if they like it, they're going to share it and give it some sort of a social boost. Another thing that's important is it helps develop a loyal following so that when you do have something to sell, and in our case, you know, it's events and conferences, uh, those are the people that are going to ultimately participate. Or if you have a survey to do, those are the people that are going to take the survey. Or if you have a podcast, those are the kinds of people that are going to listen to the podcast. So I'm a strong believer that what matters the most or one of the most important things is to have people feeding every single day at your trough. So what I mean by that is if your content is food and you produce a lot of it, people will come every single day and they will love it and then they will evangelize for you. And even if they never buy a product that you have to sell, they become someone who is willing to share that content and it becomes this kind of self-perpetuating pie that just keeps growing and growing and growing every year. I might have gone off on a tangent, Amy. Did I answer your question? Yes, you did. And that's actually a great way to look at it where, of course, everyone's not going to buy our programs, products, and services. But if we can also nurture those people that love to share our free content, well, that's extremely valuable, especially in these times. So I'm glad you brought that up. No, you definitely nailed it for sure. So I've got another question for you. If we're breaking down this process, we talked about content. We talked about how you're actually getting those conversions. And we talked about your guest bloggers. My question here is, and I I know a little of the inside, at least it's been a few years, I think, but I used to guest blog posts pretty regularly and you have a very specific process. So my question is, what does that look like behind the scenes? Because all of your articles are really well done. And so because of that, how many people are touching one blog post before it actually goes live? Can you tell me about that? Well, we put over $1,000 in, in internal development on every single article that is submitted from people just like you, Amy. What? Yes. W- Holy cow. Okay. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So um, we have a really big team behind the scenes that runs like a traditional magazine. And um, there's probably seven different people that touch every article that comes from even the most sophisticated of writers. So just to give you some perspective of how it works is we've got our director of editorial and that's Cindy King and her job is essentially to go out there and, and she's the first stage in the process. So people that we already have relationships with, either she asks them to um, pitch her ideas or she pitches them ideas. So there's that whole process of coming to an agreement on what the, the article is going to be about. Then the next topic obviously is the writing of the article. Once the article comes in to us and it's written, someone else has to review the article and make sure that the article is actually meeting the promise of what it originally intended. And it's at that point that we kind of make a decision to either accept, reject, or send back the article for revisions. Generally speaking, we operate so fast that we cannot send articles back for revisions. So they typically, if they need revisions, they're done in-house. 
So then that goes to uh, what we call a developmental editor. And we have two developmental editors and their job is to take these articles and take them through what we call a beautification process. It's kind of like going through a car wash, (laughs) you know? I love this. And by the time the car comes out of the car wash, it's going to be beautiful. And what they do is literally everything from looking at the grammar, looking at the style, looking at the, the way that the person has described things. If there's something missing, for example, like factual data, they actually go out there and find factual data to support whatever the claims are. They check, for example, all the links. And then once they get it to the point where they love it, then the next step is it goes to yet another editor. And that editor's job is to go ahead and deal with some of the initial visuals in the article. So for example, they'll take a look at some of the visuals that were submitted by the author. They'll go out and find other visuals to support the article. And then it goes to yet another editor who's a professional copy editor. And her job is to actually take the article and make sure that nothing was missed from the developmental editor and do some final checks, check the links. Then it goes to yet another editor who, who's a WordPress um, layout editor. And that person brings all the content into WordPress. Then we have a technical editor that goes in and makes sure there's no nefarious code or any of that kind of stuff. We check to make sure there's no overly promotional stuff, make sure there's nothing linking to, for example, affiliate links. And then it goes to yet another editor, believe it or not. And that person's job is to do a high-level review and to kind of um, get the article ready to come to me. Then it comes to me and I write the headline and I write the opening to the article. And then it goes to yet another person who schedules the article and notifies our entire social team and the newsletter team to get everything prepped. And while that's happening, it goes to yet another person, Amy, who is a designer who creates special images for the articles. Now, you would think that's the end of it, right? But wait, there's more. Uh, How can there be more? There is literally more. Some of the articles go into what we call our new show called the Social Media Examiner Show. It goes back to another editor whose specialty is to make an abridged version of that article that is kind of like an abridged book that is ready for a voice talent to speak that article. And she edits that article down to 1,500 words or less, make sure everything translates into the spoken word, you know, and, and knows how to deal with all the idiosyncrasies of spoken because obviously a lot of our articles have a lot of visuals. Then it goes to a, another company that goes ahead and with a voice talent records the entire thing and sews the entire thing together and basically gets it uploaded for the social media examiner show. So that is the process that we take our articles through. I mean, that whole idea of the social media show, an amazing idea in terms of repurposing content and delivering it in a different way. So this is something brand new that you're just rolling out? Yeah. I mean, by the time the show goes live, it will be uh, a four day a week show. Okay. Awesome. I'll make sure I link to it in the show notes because that's going to be fantastic. Okay. So I actually had no idea that one blog post went through so many people. I thought maybe you'd say three or four people. So when I hear that, my heart starts beating fast because as you know, I have a really small team. I have one admin and one content marketing manager, and she's new, like a content development manager. And so in a lot of my audience, they don't even have that. They're just starting out. So here's my point of the question. If you were going to give me advice in terms of creating a really rich, valuable blog, out of all that stuff that you talked about, I don't have a team that could do all of that. Where should I be putting my, my main focus? Well, I think that um, 
a copy editor would be a good first step. A copy editor's job is just to make sure that the English language is perfect. And, you know, I've always had a copy editor for everything that I've ever written. And they'll be, you know, uh, a person, and you can literally Google copy editor. They're, they're the people that edit books. They're looking for grammar mistakes. They're looking for typographical mistakes, logic issues. I would start it. with that kind of an editor. And if you feel that you are so good that you don't need something like that, you're kidding yourself. But, I was going to say, I but, would never feel that way. But some people do feel that way. And I got to tell you, I don't care how good you are. The painter is always blind to their mistakes. You know, like if you've ever painted a wall in your house and you step back and look at it, it looked perfect until someone walked in the room and said, you missed a spot, right? Right. That's exactly how it is with writing. Now, the second thing that I would do if you have time and budget is to hire a graphic designer to create a Facebook open graph optimized image or a Twitter open graph optimized image. And ideally it's both. Um, that will look beautiful when someone shares that article on Facebook or Twitter. Okay. Let's talk about that more because my next question was going right into the images. So we're going to come back to that because a lot of people are going to have questions about the open graph. So we'll get there in a moment, but you recently changed your image strategy. The look and feel of your images has definitely changed over the last, I don't know, a few months, six months or so. Tell me about that. About nine months ago, I began this is when the My Kids Adventures project was still around. I began tracking very carefully how Facebook was changing. And you remember, Amy, how Facebook was giving a lot of real estate to blog posts that had a really big image that yep. was rectangular instead of just those little square images they used to show on the side. Well, right. right along the same time, Twitter cards began becoming more popular and they're about the same shape and size. So one of the things that we learned from My Kids Adventures is we began to see a direct correlation between the number of uh, inbound links that we got from Facebook and Twitter and whether or not we had a nice visual image to go with them. So eventually I went out and found myself a really talented designer and we began working and we actually have multiple designers now because we're, we've got too much content um, that are creating these images for us. And first impression is a big deal. And a lot of times people will reshare these images just because they're beautiful you know what I mean? I mean, these links with these images, because they're beautiful, sometimes without even clicking on the article, and that is free advertising. So that's really important that I think you do that. And for what it's worth, I'll give you a link. I don't have it handy, Amy, but we've got a article that we wrote that talks about the ideal size for Twitter and Facebook, meaning with one image and creating white space in the right areas, you can create an image that will look great on a Twitter card and in the Facebook open graph. And I will be happy to give you that link. Um, if you remind me after we're done interviewing and uh, you can put that in your show notes. Perfect. I'll do that because I think that is so very important. And I just want to clarify when we talk about images, we're talking about that, what I call a featured blog image. It's the image that actually has the title of the blog post. So you use a lot of images throughout your blog post to show examples of what you're actually talking about. But this image is that image that tells people instantly what that blog post is all about. So I will definitely link to the article. Talk a little bit because you are definitely well-versed in this area. The whole idea of the open graph. What are you talking about there? The Facebook open graph is the data that you as a publisher of blog content tell Facebook all about your blog posts. And the Facebook open graph data is what Facebook uses to decide what to display in the feed. And yes. it's everything from the, uh, the words that show up, the, the description, you know, the headline, the words, whether or not you have a Facebook page that people ought to follow if they're not already following, all this kind of data 
can be embedded in the Facebook Open Graph. And we've got a bazillion articles on our website if anybody wants to search Facebook Open Graph. But um, the easiest plugin to use is the SEO plugin. It's called the SEO plugin. I'm forgetting the guy's name, but it's Yoast, I think is his last name. We don't not use that plugin because we use more sophisticated plugins. But with that plugin, you can go ahead and very easily assign both a Twitter card image and a Facebook open graph image in your blog post, kind of in one swoop. And that data is just embedded in the blog post and Twitter knows what to do with it and Facebook knows what to do with it. But the thing is, most people don't do that. And because they don't do that, they're not getting the kind of exposure on the social networks and they're not getting the kind of traffic to their website. And especially when it comes to Facebook, when you have a blog post and let's say someone takes the URL and they put it on Facebook and the title and the description get pulled into that Facebook post and the image gets pulled in, but it's a little thumbnail. What Facebook has said is that post will not get as much traction in the newsfeed as a post where the full image gets pulled through, like Mike's examples, and I'll use some examples in the show notes. So you really want to pay attention to what the post looks like once your URL is pasted in a Facebook post. That really matters. And that's what Mike's talking about. I'll make sure that in the show notes, there's a lot of good support there. So you really get it. But I can't stress enough. This is really, really important. If you're going to put that much effort into a blog post, you've got to make sure that it's showing up well on Facebook and Twitter, especially. So I'm glad you touched on that. Just one quick little thing. Do not underestimate. Don't think that if you just put the right size image into a a blog post that Facebook is going to pick it. Uh, I used to to think that if you tell Facebook, this is the image, it will never give users a choice. It'll always be that image. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, that's so important. And that's very important when someone pushes the like button, because when someone pushes the like button, they don't get to choose that image. It just automatically goes into the feed. So you want to make sure that it's always the right image. And that's where having this open graph data appropriately done is important. I'm so glad you stressed that. Yeah, definitely agree. Okay. I'm interrupting this interview to jump in for just a minute. After I recorded the interview with Mike, I realized that it would be extremely helpful if I made you a step-by-step cheat sheet for this Facebook open graph process so you can take action on it right away. So to get my free cheat sheet, go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 44 download, or you can just text 44 download to 38470. So text 44 download to 38470. All right, let's go ahead and jump back in. Okay, so great. I really wanted to talk to you about images. It's good to know. So you do have a few designers and you have this new look and feel, and really you've just put a bigger focus on the images, which I think all around is such a smart decision there. So I want to talk to you a little bit about social media because you obviously, once a blog post goes up, again, I know you have a process in terms of what happens on social media. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yes. Um, we schedule using social oomph, the same tool that you used to work with way back oh in the day. Oh my gosh. I did not know you still use that. That's awesome. Yeah. We use social oomph to schedule our blog posts. And, um, and then just on Twitter, and then we manually post them on Facebook and Google plus and all the other social networks, Pinterest, you know, the whole shebang. And, um, and then what we do is we repost the day's blog post multiple times on Twitter in different kinds of ways, just to kind of give it another experience, if you were another opportunity to be in front of people. 
In addition, we use what's called UTM tracking codes, Amy, on everything that we do. I don't know if you're familiar with what that is, but... Slightly. Will you explain it a little? In Google Analytics, you can assign um, campaign level triggers to any particular thing that you do. So for example, we can tell if we put something on our Facebook wall versus putting something on Twitter, we can tell exactly how much traffic has come to that blog post from those audiences. And we can also tell in aggregate how much traffic in Google Analytics is coming from Twitter versus Facebook versus our campaign. So what this allows us to do is we can segment what percentage of our social traffic is coming from our activities versus organic activity. Does that make sense? So you've got everyday people that are going to share and you can't control that. But then you've got the things that you're doing and you want to know whether or not that's moving the needle. So using UTMs, and you can Google UTM or you can go to our site and type in UTM using this little extended code that goes on the end of your URL and then compressing that with Bitly allows us to essentially do a lot more tracking and analytics. And it's really powerful stuff inside of Google Analytics. It really is. And we use UTM for a lot of the webinars that we do in terms of how we share them on social media. And we've been able to track it, which is just so valuable. But I have a question for you on that. What have you found in terms of the different social media sites? I'm going to guess that Facebook is sending the most traffic with social media to your blog. Yes. But that was always the case. We always knew that because you can go into Google Analytics and see right now what percentage of your traffic is coming from Facebook and Twitter and so on and so forth. But what we didn't know, Amy, until we started doing this is we didn't know of the traffic coming from Facebook, what percentage of it is coming from our Facebook page. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we can actually track that now. So we can say this percentage of the Facebook traffic actually came from our Facebook page. That's something we could never do before. Or what percentage of the traffic coming from Twitter is directly a result of our tweets, not other people retweeting it. And that's where the power comes in because then we can track on a weekly basis and even on a daily basis whether the activities that we're doing are actually driving traffic to our website. So powerful. That's definitely something. When you know that kind of information, you know where to spend your time. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Again, I'll make sure that there's information in the show notes. There's so much great value here. Okay. So here's the thing. I could talk to you for hours and hours about social media and everything I want to know, but obviously we have to respect your time. So I've got to bring up the fact that you have an event coming up and this is an event that I always tell people is the best social media event out there. So will you tell people a little bit about it? Because I know it's in San Diego where we both live. And I think a lot of my listeners would be interested. I didn't know you live in San Diego. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, stop it. Okay. Social media marketing world is uh, coming up in March and it is in San Diego on the waterfront. And, um, you know, Amy, you're probably in a better position to explain it than I am because obviously I'm very biased, but I think it's the conference you go to if you want to rub shoulders with people just like you who are trying to figure out social media marketing. It's true. And here's why I love the event you really spend time on the speakers. So you find the speakers that are quality. We do a lot of work to get prepared for it, which I actually respect. And so people are showing up and really giving great content. And then at the same time, you have this huge social aspect where people get to network and have fun and do things together throughout the entire event. So there's a really good mix of networking and learning. And I think that's why people 
gravitate toward this event every year. This is, is this the second or third time? This is the third year and to the networking, our opening night party is on a naval aircraft carrier, which is one of those kind of experiences that you'll never experience if you haven't been on an aircraft carrier. Um, and we do have 2,500 marketers coming from more than 40 countries and um, it keeps getting bigger and it keeps getting better. We have over a hundred sessions to choose from. And uh, this year we're including the recordings for all the sessions for anybody who attends. So, you know, if you can't get into your session because it's packed out, we got all the recordings for you as well. That's awesome. I think that's going to be really valuable as well. So I'll make sure to include a link so that people can go check out the event and get all the details. And I can't even thank you enough, Mike. I really, really wanted to get you on the show to break down this blog. And I learned things that I had, I thought I knew about all of this and I didn't. So I really appreciate you sharing all of this information. Amy, it's been my absolute pleasure. All right. You have a great day. Take care. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this behind the scenes look at Mike's blogging process. And can you believe how many people are involved with every single blog post? Crazy, right? Now, as I mentioned earlier, your company likely isn't as big as Mike's. It might be, but if you're anything like my business, it's pretty small. But there are still so many great insights throughout this interview that you can apply to your business on a smaller scale. One such example being the idea of hiring a copy editor. This could really impact the quality and efficiency of your content creation. Now, all the resources and links we talked about today on the show can be found at amyporterfield.com forward slash 44, just the number 44. And remember that special Facebook Open Graph download freebie I talked about earlier? Well, just one more reminder, you can find it at amyporterfield.com forward slash 44 download or text 44 download to 38470. Okay, so I am really looking forward to talking to you next time. I hope you have a fantastic week and I'll see you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com.